0: Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice
1: of their founders.
0: What's going on, guys? Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to give you a quick update on the Ready Eddy membership program. To this point, we've grown to have thousands of products from up-and-coming startups and small businesses in the outdoor travel and lifestyle space on the platform. You can save up to 50% off all of these products, anything from skis to jackets to food bars to supplements, anything you could think of to support your Outdoor Activities is on the platform from small up-and-coming brands. It's a great opportunity to support small businesses while also discovering brands that you've never heard of. You can show off the new gear to your friends and also save a ton while doing it. If you're interested in checking it out, head over to ReadyEddy.com slash members to get your first month free. What's going on, guys? Josh Savo here, your host on today's uh podcast episode i am sitting down with the founder of tin lid co john tuck john thanks so much for taking the time to chat with
1: me yeah thanks for having me i'm excited definitely all right so
0: for the listener that may not be familiar with tin lid co how would you best describe it to
1: them um tin lid hat company uh we're an outdoor hat company that plants a tree with every item purchase that's really interesting. So
0: how did you, what made you decide to start a hat company and then also associate it with planting trees?
1: Um, so me and my co-founder, Will Andre, uh, when we started it back in 2014, we actually made our first hat set froth for, um, for disc golf. And so we made a small run of those and sold some at our local disc golf course and it kind of did well. And so we decided to run with it. And um, we always looked up to other companies such as uh, Patagonia or Tom's Shoes. So once we really started rolling with it, we wanted we wanted to make sure we were giving back and uh, bringing something to the table. And so that's kind of what we went with, and it kind of resonated with us because we like to we're always out outside hiking along the shoreline in Lake Michigan and things like that. So, starting a hat company.
0: Obviously, there are a number of hat companies already out there. What What would you say in starting Tin Lid really differentiates you from a lot of the other um, apparel and hat uh, focused brands?
1: Yeah, I think um, one of the main things with Tin Lid is we really we really only sell hats. There's a few companies that only sell hats, but they'll also have apparel. And, um, you know, we're also outdoor focused and, uh, I think from, from the companies I'm aware of, I think we might be the only ones that are really focusing on giving back as well as being an, uh, an only hat company in the outdoor space. So it's a little different than what other people are doing.
0: Now, in terms of the actual hats, is there anything in particular that's unique to other uh, brands?
1: Yeah, so one of the things about our hats is we have a side strap on the side of our hats for pencils. Um, and that was something we kind of thought of when we when we first made the hats. Actually, we were sewing the straps on. And uh, when we first started making the hats, we didn't really think... We weren't sure if that would be something that would really stick out to people. But, you know, four years later, it's still is something that sticks out in people's minds and um sometimes we'll get questions like hey, don't I get a pencil with my hat with the order and things of that nature so yeah i think people like that
0: that's interesting so why why planting trees what made you decide to associate uh tim lid with that
1: um yeah like i said we just we like being out, outdoors and um so that was one of the reasons. Another is, uh, I think, it's kind of easier, it's easier for the customer to, it resonates better with the customer, because they know it's kind of a, a straight swap, if you will, rather than just kind of like a general, you know, Patagonia just generally donates 10% of their profits, and Um, so you never know exactly what they're doing. I mean, they might be having campaigns, but you know, with us, like what, what's happening when you buy a hat.
0: Definitely. So you got started four years ago in 2014. Was it a quick start? Did you get a lot of exposure early on? Was it more slowly built, um, to tin lids as it is now?
1: Yeah, it was, um... I would say well we started in August 2014 and uh it was definitely a slow start um probably by January for fir- uh yeah January 1st of 2015 we might have only had 40 orders on our website and then um we had a website called coolmaterial.com which they're pretty big that we got posted on their front page and we got maybe fifty orders within the hour. So that was kind of our first big moment of whoa, like this is you know, we weren't going viral, but it certainly felt like it to us at the time. And then um so that kinda gave us since we bootstrapped, that kinda gave us some money to work with, do some more products and marketing. And then we really worked with uh on the Instagram platform with other kind of outdoor pages, doing giveaways and shout outs and kinda grew from there.
0: Um, so once you got to that point where you, you sold 50 in an hour, what was the growth like after that? Did it, did it start to become a little bit more consistent over time?
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, we, uh, I think the first, first year we might've done maybe 95,000 revenue and so that was pretty steady, and um, since then we've just kind of had some steady growth. Since then, it's been nice. So, when a
0: customer buys a hat from you, um, what would you say the reason? The main is there a main reason? I guess they decide to go with um, a tin lid hat over another brand.
1: Yeah, I think um, I mean our uh, our customers and followers, they'll know how how. Um, small we are so i think they can relate to us better than a, a larger corporation and um also if they if they like being outside whether it's going on a day hike or a week-long trek you know i think our brand uh will resonate with them either way
0: definitely now um where'd the idea for the name come
1: from <laughs> uh so tin lid. We were struggling to think of a name at first. My partner, Will Andre, was searching um, stuff about disc golf because, you know, that was kind of like what our first hats were. Um, so Tin Lid, when disc golf first came around, they were throwing uh, garbage garbage uh, can tins at trees kind of as, as a disc. And so Tin Lid just kind of came from that. That's so funny. Yeah.
0: Um, now, did you have any mentors that really helped you get the business off the ground? Did you have any experience before launching Tin Lid with any sort of entrepreneurial venture?
1: Um. Yeah, well, you know, back in high school, I was kind of the guy flipping stuff on eBay and Craigslist. So that was kind of how I got started in business in general. Um, I had another friend and... That we kind of started a website. It was called Sella. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Gazelle.com, where they basically buy used phones and resell them and fix them. So that was kind of what that was. Um, that didn't work out, unfortunately, but that was kind of my first experience as far as starting a, an actual brand. Um, but once Tinlid got going, you know, I didn't really have too many close mentors. There were a couple people when I was at college that would come and speak in my classes and I continued to have contact with them. Um, and they helped a lot, but I wouldn't say really there was anyone, uh, I consistently talked to throughout. Definitely. Now
0: obviously a big part of tin lids is the sustainability with planting a tree or a number of trees every time someone buys a hat. Um, how did you go about sourcing manufacturing and making sure that the hats are made in a sustainable manner?
1: Yeah, so at first, we really wanted to get the hats made in America. Um, <clears throat> I know it's kind of taboo to get things made overseas, and that's kind of why we were looking here. But from what we found, either A, um, most of the manufacturers here in the States were actually just using an overseas partner. Um. And they were kind of passing it off as their own. So, you know, that's a turn off. And B, um, we'd have to sell if we were we found a couple that were actually being made in the US. So if we were to use them, we'd have to sell our hats for about fifty to sixty dollars and we just didn't think that was possible. So I started looking for manufacturers overseas, found one in China. And um, you know, you wanna make sure obviously they're made ethically. And so I did a facetime tour of the factory with the sales office and the uh people stitching up the hats and making sure everything's in good condition you know you don't want to feel guilty about how your hats are getting made so yeah we we did some research and made sure it was ethically sourced and then as far as um the fabrics you know we just use organic cotton hemp uh recycled polyester so you know, the whole process, we're really trying to do our best to make sure everything is ethically made. Definitely.
0: Now, do you think, um, you you mentioned this in the beginning that you're specifically hats, and there aren't that many companies out there that literally just do hats. Do you think that you're going to expand um, into other products down the line? Or do you really think hats will be the main focus um, going forward?
1: <laughs> it's hard to say. Um, We've certainly looked into other products at times. Um, Maybe two years ago, we came out with a backpack, and that sold all right. Um, Right now, we're really just focusing on hats. Maybe a couple years down the line, we'll look into other products, such as uh, backpacks again and some more apparel, and we'll see what else we can come up with. But I'd say for now, we're really just going to stick with hats and expand our products and designs.
0: What would you say has been the hardest part about building and starting tin-lit hats?
1: Well, probably the most difficult part is you're in a space with a lot of competition as far as apparel. Um, As you mentioned before, there's a lot of companies selling hats, so it is hard to differentiate yourself from other people at times.
0: What's your greatest fear and how do you manage that in regards to the
1: business? (laughs) I would say the greatest fear is, um, you know, just one day the orders stop coming in, you know, something something you don't really expect. Um, The best way, I guess, to plan against that is to make sure you're always improving, uh, trying to continue to grow the company and, um, you know, just making sure that the end is not near. Yeah, I can totally relate to that fear. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it,
0: currently in 2018, obviously you're full-time doing this. Um, do you have sort of a breakdown of like the different channels of where your your sales are coming from? Um, like different kinds of campaigns or whether it's direct to consumer specifically or retail?
1: Yeah, I mean, usually I would say probably 95% of our sales is through our website. Um, You know, we do we do Facebook ads, we do Instagram marketing, email marketing. Um, We work with some smaller influencers, and that just kind of keeps the sales coming in. And uh, we'll occasionally do like a branded hat partnership, and you know, just things of that nature. Definitely. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you've made up to this point? Um, I would say probably. The biggest mistake we've made was early on when we were hitting that growth we were kind of i would say we were too afraid to put a little bit of extra money into it, you know, not a lot, but we would go on backwater with hats um for just months at a time, and so we'd run out of inventory too quickly and we were reinvesting all of our our profits into more inventory, but you know in hindsight, we really should have had a bit of a cash and fucks to build up but i don't know i guess we're probably too risk averse so uh, obviously you have some uh,
0: a lead time in placing that order to getting the hats is it like a couple of months yeah
1: it's about it's about 2 months yes
0: yeah, so i guess that forces you to be pretty proactive or future thinking in terms of like inventory and then obviously in the beginning when you don't know how many sales you're going to be getting it's kind of just like a guessing game
1: <laughs> yeah exactly that's exactly what it was and when we got on the front front page of Cool Material, we weren't expecting that because we only had had a hundred hats, and we got fifty orders within the hour. So over the next week, we were going on on back order, and we had we had um, once we started getting into Instagram marketing back before Instagram rearranged their feed, uh, so it wasn't chronological, or so it was cr- chronological. You know, um, we were paying pages to shout us out and we had we ordered hats. We were on back order, so we placed order for more hats. And then by the time those arrived, we had people waiting almost three months (laughs) for hats. So we basically emailed them and said, Hey, like we're sorry about this. Like we can still send you the hat for free if you want. And we only had one or two people that were really, really angry about it. Other than that, everyone was uh pretty understandable our understanding of the situation that's interesting
0: so those partnership campaigns really really worked well um in promoting the hats i guess i assume you would give the the influencer a number of hats to then take a bunch of shots with and then promote to their following kind of a deal
1: yeah for sure or um other other pages that kind of just feature other artists we would we would take a photo of our hat and they would post it on their page. So um one uh page that we worked with early on was Naked Planet and they just kind of show uh, you know, pictures from around the world. And they had about two to three million followers at the time. Um so we worked with them a lot and other other Instagram pages similar to them and that kind of that was probably our main uh how we how we grew the most at first
0: now were those partnerships paid or like affiliate how were they set up
1: yeah it was a paid shout, it was a paid shout out so you could um email them or direct message them and say hey how much is it for a shout out and they would give you the rate and you would just see if it's worth it or not and move ahead with it
0: that's interesting. So I guess in the beginning, you just were like, let's try this. Let's pick a few pages that fill us a, a few demographics and just sort of see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. So you did those first couple and then I imagine, you know, they would change the link in their bio and then that would just send an influx of traffic and then sales to, to your site.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Well, wow, it's awesome that that works so well for you. I'm sure that was like a nice proof of concept. Like, hey, this is like filling a void
1: yeah exactly. I think the main the main i mean it obviously brought in sales and revenue and but it also kind of validated what we were doing to us that people that we didn't know or knew anything about us were buying our products, so that was encouraging
0: definitely now, with the algorithm change on Instagram, has that changed sort of your approach on that? I assume that Instagram isn't quite as valuable as it once was,
1: yeah, so once once the algorithm changed we um we still occasionally do shout outs but we we i i don't remember now at this we probably haven't done a paid shout out in maybe 5 or 6 months um it's just you don't really see a return on it as much as you used to um we're also not as new so people kind of know about us um On Instagram with with the other pages we've worked with so but we do do giveaways with with other brands and pages and we still keep an active presence on there we just don't do paid shout outs as much so you'd say that the giveaways are
0: kind of replacing the paid shout out yeah are there any other sort of um, initiatives that you um, do currently
1: that drive a large amount of conversions um yeah nothing nothing comparable to the paid shout outs those were you know at the time those were those were a special form of marketing i guess you know it was only right time right place yep exactly um what advice would you give to someone that wanted to uh
0: start a apparel uh lifestyle outdoor business or really just a business in general
1: Um, I would say you got to be prepared to, you're going to have a lot of moments where there's a problem that you don't know how to solve and you got to figure out how to solve it and it's going to take time and you'll get frustrated. Um, that'd be one thing. Number two is I think a lot of people think about starting a business or owning, owning an apparel brand and think it's all, it'll be like fun and, and, um, you know, you'll have endless amounts of energy to do it. But really, once you start growing, it gets to a point where you're doing just as many day-to-day tasks as you would at any other company. And so there's still a lot of really fun parts um, that I enjoy to this day. But, you know, as the company grows, your your task will become less fun also. I totally know
0: what you mean. Uh, where do you see TinLid uh, going in the
1: future? the next year, five years, ten years down the road. Yeah, so um hopefully right now we don't have too many wholesalers and I think that's kind of our our next step. So um going to trade shows, getting into stores, uh expanding the expanding the product line a little bit, um as far as getting into more more hat styles. Um that's kind of where we'll be for the next couple of years.
0: What's the best part about running
1: uh, Tin Lids? Um, obviously there's a sense of pride I have with it, um, so that's that's one one part of it. Uh, I think my favorite part is I get a I get to meet a lot of really uh, unique people, and um, I get to work with influencers. I get to do uh, podcasts. Um, you know, I get it's there's a lot of opportunities that stem from it. That's pretty. It's pretty cool and unique.
0: Yeah, I think one of the greatest parts about starting a business is the the networking and the people you meet. Like you said, yeah, exactly. It's uh, you know, it's crazy how many like minded people you just get into contact with and become friends with just because you're all in the trenches. <laughs> you know what I mean? You go into yeah, the same I'm... sort of uh, experience.
1: You know, you can relate yeah. to each other way easier. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is it is fun. You get to connect with people facing the same challenges and kinda of work together and see what happens. Yeah, no, without a doubt.
0: Um now anyone from who was listening before uh November twentieth, you can actually enter to win um a couple hats from Tin Lids along with a ton of other gear um uh, from up-and-coming brands in the outdoor travel and lifestyle space. So if you want to a chance to win, you can head over to readyeddy.com before November 20th for your chance. And um, with that, John, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and share your story and um, everything that you guys have going on at TinLid. Um, now, if listeners want to keep tabs on um, your progress going forward and all the things you have in the pipeline, where's the best place for them to do that?
1: Yeah, so you can follow us on Instagram at tinlidhatco um on Facebook Tinlid Hat Company those are our two most af- active channels. Um we're also on Twitter, Twitter and Snapchat. Um both of those are tinlidco. Um you can follow I post a lot of tinlid updates on my personal Instagram. It's John Tuck. So you can stay stay close by following those and see the progress we're making.
0: Definitely. And thanks again, John. I really appreciate you coming on the on the show.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you having me. It was fun.
0: If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready A podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.